What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Football MD Podcast. Thanks, thank you guys for tuning in. Before we get started, as always, remember, guys, to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Football MD Pod. Visit our website at footballmdpodcast.com. We have a lot going on there, including the Sully Says picks of the week every week and the College Football Corner written by Chris Ronan. And also, right now, we are still in the month of October. We have our Football MD Podcast Breast Cancer Awareness Tease. Um, proceeds will be going to Breast Cancer Research Foundation. So make sure you represent not only our podcast, but a great cause as well. So contact us on any of our social media pages, email, or our website to place your order for your t-shirt. And then we will get right into the recap from this past week, week six of the NFL, starting right off with Thursday night. Yes, and this is going to be the NFC East matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles beating the New York Giants 34-13. to And the big takeaways from this game was our first look at the Philadelphia running game without Jay Ajayi in the lineup. And as expected, it looks like it's going to continue being a committee. Wendell Smallwood had 18 carries for 51 yards, whereas Corey Clement only had 11 carries. He took them for 43 yards. He did manage to get into the end zone, though. And I think Clement is the back that I would prefer here. He had 3.9 yards per carry, two Smallwoods, 2.8. And I just think that he provides a little bit more upside going forward. I liked him in the preseason and he still is healing up from his recent injury. So I think as Corey Clement works his way back into the offense, he will be the primary ball carrier. Other than that, Carson Wentz, definitely a promising performance, completing 26 of 36 attempts for 273 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And it's just nice to see him getting the offense back on track. Alshon Jeffrey, he keeps being really good. He had a down week in week five. That was against Xavier Rhodes. But in week six, he caught eight of 12 for 74 yards and two touchdowns. He's a solid wide receiver too going forward. So pretty happy with this offense. I think you want a piece of it. On the other side of the ball, offense not as great and season uh, outlook not looking so hot. The New York Giants continue to struggle besides Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, obviously 13 carries, 130 yards, 10 yards per carry average, a touchdown, nine receptions for 99 yards and an 11-yard receiving average. The only real offensive production coming at all from the New York Giants stemming from Saquon Barkley. And realistically, whether it's the offensive line, Eli Manning, it doesn't matter what you want to put it on. The passing game struggles is really limited. Even Odell Beckham Jr., six receptions, 44 yards this week, is not going to cut it. Agreed. And now moving on to our next game of the week, we had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers falling to the Atlanta Falcons, 29-34. to My big takeaways from the Buccaneers side of the ball is that Jameis Winston is back. If you guys remember from our quarterbacks episode, our first ever episode, I loved Jameis Winston going into this season regardless of his suspension. I said that when he returned, he would be a top 10 quarterback and I still hold to that. I think he's going to be a quarterback one going forward. He completed 30 of 41 pass attempts for 395 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions and I'm not saying that I think Jameis Winston is an elite quarterback in the NFL. What I am saying is that he is on a team with a bad defense and so many passing weapons in Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Cameron Bray, OJ Howard. The stars are just aligning perfectly for Jameis Winston to be a solid fantasy quarterback, and I love him going forward. And I think it's good for the rest of this team as well. Even Peyton Barber, who a lot of people were counting out, looked better this past week. He rushed 13 times for 82 
yards on the ground, and then he caught four of four targets for 24 yards and one touchdown. He's clearly still the guy for now. I know a lot of people were getting a little bit of hype built up for Ronald Jones potentially taking that job over, but Rojo had just one carry this past week, and I do still think that Ronald Jones should be added in the majority of leagues just because at this point of the season with bye weeks, with injuries, I'm sure a lot of you guys have Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman, Leonard Fournette, James Conner has Le'Veon Bell coming back. We don't know what's going on with that situation. So I think any running back that has a potential route to production should be owned. And as far as the pass catching options for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go, I think all of them should be added as well. Chris Godwin, he tied for the team high in targets this past week with nine. He caught six of those for 56 yards and a touchdown. Like I said, that defense is going to keep bleeding points to other teams. And once you get outside of the top 20, at the wide receiver position, it just gets kind of gross. So at least you know with Chris Godwin, he has talent. He's going to be on the field. The Buccaneers are going to keep running a ton of four wide receiver sets, so I like him there. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, of course, we know the type of players that they are. And O.J. Howard, surprising everyone, ended up missing zero games. He caught four of four passes for 62 yards and a touchdown. And what was really promising here for me is that he ran more routes and had more snaps than Cameron Brait. Bray caught his only target for 15 yards and a touchdown, which is nice. He kind of saved your week there. But Cameron Braid only played 24 snaps to O.J. Howard's 36. And in Howard's four healthy games this season, he has at least 54 receiving yards in each of those. So I think going forward, he is the tight end that you want to own. And 13 of Jameis Winston's last 24 touchdown passes have gone to tight ends. So I think he is sliding right into that elite tier at the position And on the other side of the ball for the Atlanta Falcons, this offense is really humming. Matt Ryan, 31-41, 354 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked great on Sunday. And the receiving core, obviously continuing to benefit from Matt Ryan. 10 receptions, 143 yards for Julio, still no touchdown. But Austin Hooper really benefited this week. Nine receptions, 71 yards, and did find his way into the end zone. He has received double-digit targets in the past two weeks, so I think Austin Hooper is definitely trending upward. Mohamed Sanu had a big uh, touchdown reception in, early in the game, and Calvin Ridley only had three receptions for 47 yards, got off to a hot start, but they both got injured early and came out and didn't play the entirety of the game, obviously resulting in limited production, and you're going to want to keep an eye on their status going forward. If you are relying on that number two wide receiver spot in Atlanta and both of them do not go, I think Justin Hardy will be worth streaming at the position. The offense has scored a ton. It's got two weeks where it was held under 20 points. Every other week, over 30 points per game. Now, the one thing everybody is going to be talking about with the Devonta Freeman moving to IR is the, that running back situation. And if you haven't already grabbed Edo Smith, if he is still available, you re- need to go run and go get him immediately. The Falcons are running a straight-up committee. He had more carries than Tevin Coleman last week. Although Tevin Coleman's still a little bit more product, a little more productive, 3.5 yards per carry to Edo Smith's two yards per carry. So Tevin Coleman, obviously, I do think he is still the better option, but Edo Smith is getting more carries in the red zone. So you're relying, you might be relying on the touchdown, but as my co-host always says, you can do worse than looking for a touchdown on the Atlanta Falcons offense. 
Yes, any running back that you can project to see an increase in opportunity on a high-powered offense such as the Falcons is 100% worth the ad. Now, moving on to this week's London game, the Seattle Seahawks dominating the Oakland Raiders 27-3. And Russell Wilson, he's now had back-to-back three touchdown games, despite the extreme low volume that we've been seeing. He had just 23 pass attempts this past week. I know a lot of that was due to game flow, but the Seahawks have shown us this entire season that they want to run the ball. And I'm not sure if you can really trust any of these running backs right now. Chris Carson, he had 14 carries. Rashad Penny had nine carries. Mike Davis had six carries. I think that Carson is the guy that I would want if I had to pick one, but I'm not fully confident in starting any of these guys right now as they're splitting 29 carries between three running backs this past week. Not to mention there was actually six different players with carries, and you got to include, you know, Russell Wilson's six carries. So, you know, the run game is definitely very unpredictable in Seattle. But for me, I know you said Carson, and I get it. He's got the 14 carries. He's been the, the most utilized and productive running back for the Seahawks this season so far. So I get it. The only thing that I will say is there's a lot of draft capital in Rashad Penny. And whether it was struggles or they didn't think he could handle a whole load, whatever it might be, it seems like that's starting to go away, in my opinion, because he did have nine carries for 43 yards, which is a 4.8 yards per carry average. That's good. That's very good. I mean, you know, Chris Carson's wasn't bad, 4.2, but, you know, a whole half a yard better. I'd take it if I was the head coach, you know, Pete Carroll's smart guy. So I do think that, you know, and also he offers you a little bit in the passing game. He had two receptions for 27 yards. If he can be relevant in the passing game, if he could be a guy with four yards per carry average, that's a type of running back that would have been worth that pick. I'm not saying that you're throwing him into your lineup next week. I'm saying if you have him, maybe hold on to him and you know, you're not going to get much value for him anyway. If he's on the waiver wire, maybe scoop him up as like a stash. The running back position is thin. So it's worth keeping an eye on Rashad Penny, in my opinion, because they do have a lot of draft capital installed there. Yes, if you have been holding on to these guys, if you are struggling at the running back position, they are worth holding on to for now. I would just avoid starting them until we see the opportunity really start to take shape in this backfield. But there was some promise in the passing game for Seattle this past week. With Doug Baldwin, he caught six of eight targets for 91 yards, and I know that stat line really doesn't blow you away, but it's definitely nice to see after he got just one target in week five. Like I said, Russell Wilson only threw the ball 23 times in this game, so to see eight of those targets go to Doug Baldwin is definitely promising. Then you have Tyler Lockett. He continues to get touchdowns despite his low volume. He's now had a touchdown in every week except for week four, so if you have him, you're probably going to keep on firing him up. And David Moore, he was a surprise this week. He's been splitting snaps with Brandon Marshall and Jerron Brown, but I think you can expect him to start getting more involved now with three touchdowns over the last two weeks. As I said earlier, all of the wide receivers outside of the top 20 at the position, it starts getting really gross when you're out in that range. So David Moore is definitely someone to keep your eye on if he starts to come on in the second half of the season. And on the other side of the ball, honestly, the Raiders, very disappointing. Not a single touchdown dominated by the Seattle Seahawks. The defense for Seattle has been lights out. We haven't touched on that, especially even for fantasy purposes. Like, Seattle's defense, we all thought the Legion of Boom was gone. Earl Thomas injury, like, it looked like Seattle's defense was going downhill fast. And they have been a top, they're the eighth best fantasy defense in the NFL right now. They're creating turnovers. They're making plays. They're playing good defense. 
don't forget about them. You yeah, know? they've been much, much better than expected. Derek Carr, 23 completions on 31 attempts for just 142 yards. So just a really, really bad game. So very little receiving production. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch struggled, 13 carries, 45 yards. Hasn't played more than two snaps in the fourth quarter in any game this season. That's because they're falling, falling behind early and game flow is going in the way of Jalen Richard. Six receptions in three of the last four games. So especially in deeper PPR leagues, he's certainly worthy of a flex consideration in your lineup. Before we wrap up the Raiders, I just want to touch on Marshawn Lynch. We kind of called it. like We knew that you know in the first couple weeks he was scoring a bunch of touchdowns or at least scoring one touchdown a week. And that's where his fantasy output was coming from. As soon as the touchdown stopped, his real fantasy production stopped as well. Like he had one since his last touchdown, he's had 100 yard rushing game. And since that, he hasn't done anything at all. Yeah, and then Amari Cooper, he left the game early with a concussion. So definitely something to monitor going into this week. And I would have expected an uptick in production from Martavis Bryant and Jordy Nelson, but both just got three targets each. And Jared Cook. He only had two targets. He did catch both of them, but for just 10 yards. That's just the tight end position that comes and goes every week. However, it would have been nice to see someone step up in Amari Cooper's absence. It just did not happen. This is an inconsistent offense, and you really cannot trust any of its pieces with confidence going forward. And our next game, guys, is going to go by super quick because we will be covering the the Tennessee Titans being dominated by the Ravens 21-0. For the Titans side of the ball, guys, this is a complete avoid until further notice. Do not play anybody on that team until further notice. Until they stream at least two solid games in a row, I would not trust this offense. Marcus Mariota completed 10 passes this week. And with an offensive line that's supposed to be really good with two very good tackles, they let up 11 sacks. He was sacked more than he completed passes in this game. I mean, absolutely, the Ravens' defense is one of the best in the NFL, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But the Titans have been an up-and-down team all season, someone you really do not want to trust. And for the Ravens, Alex Collins carried the ball 19 times for 54 yards. He did find the end zone twice. And the big takeaway here for Alex Collins on this week is that he played more snaps and had more touches than Buck Allen, who only had one carry and three receptions this week. And I'm still... Pretty hesitant to start Alex Collins. He did average just 2.8 yards per carry. Those two touchdowns definitely saved his day. But any day without a fumble for Alex Collins is a good day. And that's definitely a promising look for him going forward. In the passing game, John Brown, he was definitely disappointing. He's cooled off over the last few weeks. He had just two receptions for 28 yards this past week. And Michael Crabtree is definitely interesting going forward. I know a lot of people wrote him off, but he did catch six of nine targets for 93 yards and a touchdown this past week. I liked him going into the season. He has struggled to get things going early on, but he's now had six receptions in each of the last two weeks, 66 yards in week five, 93 yards and one touchdown this past week. Definitely trending in the right direction. I think if him and Joe Flacco continue to build on that connection, he could be an interesting fantasy option going forward. Moving right on to our next game, Game from week six, the Indianapolis Colts falling to the New York Jets 34-42. And for the Indianapolis Colts, it's been a rough season. They have been able to be in, be in the game and score some points, but, but haven't been able to play much defense, resulting in Andrew Luck throwing way more than he should be. 43 attempts, only 23 completions, 301 yards, four touchdowns, but three interceptions. So the struggles continue for the Colts. 
The bright spot in the receiving game is the tight end two, Eric Ebron, four, four receptions, 71 yards, and finds the end zone yet again. And as for the run game, the big news is Marlon Mack's return. Marlon Mack, 12 carries, 89 yards, 7.4 yards per carry average. To me, that's all you need to hear. And like I know he just returned from injury, so maybe this week you got four other players with carries. And honestly, with that kind of production, 7.4 yards per carry, you got to give him more touches. So if you gave the nine other carries distributed to those four other players to Marlon Mack, he would have over 20 carries, which in my opinion would have definitely resulted in over 100 yards and probably would have found the end zone. So if he continues on that stat line, he should be owned, he should be rostered, and could have a lot of upside if the Colts go in that direction. It really seems like they should. I really do think that Marlon Mack is in that running back three definite flex territory going forward. And this is a pretty big hit to Naeem Hines, in my opinion. He's definitely moving down on my board. He's not going to see the majority of carries with Marlon Mack back in the roster. I think that behind that poor offensive line, Marlon Mack has the athleticism to bounce outside and make a little bit more with the opportunity that he will be seeing. And where Hines has been making a lot of his production from has been through the passing game. And realistically, Luck's passing volume can only decrease. He's currently on pace to still throw the ball for, I think it's over 730 times, which is just ridiculous. Then when you combine that with T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle eventually returning, Eric Ebron's been solid. I don't know where the production for Naeem Hines is going to continue coming from. So he's definitely a player that his stock is moving down in my opinion. And Chester Rogers is another interesting pass-catching option for the Colts. This past week, he caught four of 10 targets for 55 yards and a touchdown. He now has 32 targets over the last three weeks. And Ryan Grant just went down with an ankle injury in week six. So even if T.Y. Hilton or Jack Doyle, they do return to the lineup from their injuries, I think there's a chance that he still does hold flex value with Andrew Luck throwing the ball 40-plus times per game. And then on the Jets' side of the ball, Quincy Inunua, he left the game early with an injury to his right ankle in the second quarter. And Jermaine Curse, who plays primarily out of the slot, which of course is where Inunua plays, slid right into his role and caught 9 of 10 targets for 94 yards. Terrell Pryor, he's also dealing with a groin injury. So I think that Jermaine Curse, he has to be on your radar. We've seen the type of targets that Inunua has been seeing from Sam Darnold. So if Curse is going to take over that slot receiver role, he's going to have value for fantasy and should be rostered in most leagues. A guy that I still think is worth keeping an eye on, and I know you know most people have been frustrated with him, probably cut him off the squad already, is Robbie Anderson. And his opportunity is, it's been low. It hasn't been as high as you would like. And it doesn't seem that he's going to return on a top 15 wide receiver that he was last year. But if you really break down the film, which I have had an opportunity to really study some of these New York Jets games, his opportunity is pretty consistent. And here's why. Because it's situational. it comes down to situational football where when the Jets are in a second and short situation near midfield, they are willing to take a shot to Robbie Anderson. Now, that seems like very specific, but these situations happen more often, more than you may realize in a given game, and it creates opportunities, and it's been consistent. In fact, two out of three times in a second and short situation near midfield, the New York Jets opt to take a shot downfield. Not always to Robbie Anderson, but rather than running the ball and securing the first first down right away, 
they are willing to take that opportunity deep. With Inunua out and possibly prior missing a game or two, I like Robbie Anderson's opportunity. I think he'll keep having that opportunity as a deep threat, which he can always, always produce on. It might not happen every week, but, you know, with three receptions, he's put up 156 yards and two touchdowns a couple games ago. Like, that's the that's the stat line he can offer you, and with a little bit more opportunity, it could bode well. I'm not going to say throw him over to your – throw him as your starter and get cute and bench somebody that's been a consistent fantasy player for you this season – but definitely somebody, if you're hurting, to keep an eye on. I like his opportunity, especially at, at home this week. Next up, the Rams versus the Broncos. The Rams continue to 6-0, winning 23-20 to against Denver. And honestly, we know what the Rams offense brings us. You know, With a couple injuries in the wide receiving core, I will think that Robert Woods will continue to benefit. Seven receptions, 109 yards. He just offers the most as far as running the intermediate routes, the deep routes, and the short routes. He's just, in my opinion, going to benefit the most. But really, this game was all about Todd Gurley. 28 carries, 208 yards. We wanted to mention this because that is his highest rushing total of his career. And that's really it. If you have this, any players in this offense, continue to fire them up. This offense is high-powered. And we'll move right on to the Broncos. Yeah, and on the Broncos' side of the ball, Phillip Lindsay continues to be the better running back. He had just four carries to Royce Freeman's nine, but he was more productive with those carries. He was also involved through the passing game. He caught six of seven targets for 48 yards through the air. So really, Royce Freeman, as I've been saying over the last few weeks, just remains a touchdown-dependent option with the volume that he's currently seeing. And in the passing game, Emmanuel Sanders, he continues to be a stud, catching 7 of 10 targets for 115 yards, one touchdown. And Demarius Thomas, he is a definite sell-high, in my opinion. He scored last week against the Jets with three minutes left in garbage time. In this past week's game, he scored on one short touchdown and had one long 45-yard catch with two late catches to make it three for 57 in a touchdown game making his fantasy stat line look pretty promising, but he's currently averaging under six targets per game. The yardage hasn't been there. The touchdowns haven't been there for the majority of the season, so I don't think you can trust him going forward. And Corlin Sutton is someone to keep your eye on. He's similar in his playing style to Alshon Jeffrey, in my opinion. And this past week, he caught three or four targets for 58 yards. So definitely an interesting option, especially in deeper PPR leagues. Cortland Sutton for the Denver Broncos. And right on to our next game of the week, we have the Houston Texans beating the Buffalo Bills 20-13. to And not much to talk about from the Bills' side of the ball here. Josh Allen, he left the game early with an elbow injury. So it looks like Nathan Peterman is going to be starting in Week 7 against the Colts. So if you're looking for a defense to stream in Week 7, the Colts' defense could definitely be a sneaky start in this matchup. And other than that, from the Bills' side of the ball, LaShawn McCoy is really the only option that you're interested in starting. 16 carries for 73 yards, catching 3 of 5 targets for 21 yards through the air. Other than that, there's really no one worth rostering on this team, and you don't even feel very confident about LaShawn McCoy going forward. So I think we can move right over to the Texans here. Still not very much on the Texans' side of the ball either. This was a very underwhelming game. Deshaun Watson, not very good. 15 completions on 25 attempts, 177 yards, one touchdown with two interceptions. So really just very underwhelming. DeAndre Hopkins continues to produce five receptions, 63 yards, and of course had that lone touchdown of of Deshaun Watson's. And honestly, if you've seen it, it was really just a beautifully made play by DeAndre Hopkins. So the other receiving options in the offense, including Kiki QT and Will Fuller, Really cooled off this week. 
neither of which finding the end zone, neither of which having more than three receptions. And the run game, obviously still very underwhelming. 15 carries, 46 yards for a 3.1 yard per carry average was Lamar Miller. Really hoping that when Dante Foreman comes back, he can take that starting job and hopefully be some kind of running asset. Yeah, and it'll definitely be interesting to see how Deonta Foreman is utilized once he returns. Of course, he is returning from that Achilles injury behind that horrible offensive line, so I don't know how much you can expect, but if he is for some reason available on your waiver wire, he's definitely worth the ad. And Deshaun Watson, he's just making it tough to rely on any part of that offense. I said it a few weeks ago. I would be surprised if he makes it through this season healthy. He's just getting hit nonstop, and he truly looks uncomfortable behind that offensive line. So definitely a ton of concerns. For the Texans offense going forward. But on to our next game of the week. We have the Carolina Panthers falling to the Washington Redskins 17-223. On the Panthers side of the ball, Christian McCaffrey. Bit of a disappointing week for fantasy. Just 8 carries for 20 yards on the ground. But those 7 receptions, that still keeps him at a very nice baseline. He has had 105 of the Panthers' 126 running back touches this year. So although not premier volume... He is the guy that's getting essentially all of the running back opportunity for this team. And I know he still has no rushing touchdown on the ground. That's to be expected when the best running back on your team is your quarterback in Cam Newton. But the big story for the Carolina Panthers is Greg Olson returning to the lineup. And I thought he looked pretty good. He caught just four of seven targets for 48 yards. Not a stat line that blows you away. But this is the tight end position, as I don't have to remind you guys how I feel about the tight end position. And although there's no promises that he will remain healthy for someone as talented as Greg Olson, I think if you've been holding on to him, you can trust him going forward until we see differently. And the only guy I would like to touch on for Carolina would be Devin Funches, who had five receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown. Now, there was the concern that his opportunity would reduce with the return of Greg Olson and maybe over time it might happen a little bit but I do think there's plenty of opportunity for both of them and I do think Devin Funches is their number one wide receiver in my opinion I think he's been there the longest he has camaraderie with Cam Newton and he's a talented player in my opinion I think he gets a little overlooked he's a big body in the red zone he really does produce he can really go up and attack the football Big fan of his game, so Devin Funches is definitely somebody who you can should start considering as being a, a startable player. On the other side of the ball, though, for the Redskins, they've had a really up-and-down season this year. The passing game, to me, has been very, very unpredictable and very unreliable. I wouldn't want to start anybody outside of Jamison Crowder. I do like Crowder's opportunity. I do think he gets consistent opportunity. But he was absent in this past game, so there's no real wide receivers to cover. The one guy I would like to talk about briefly is Adrian Peterson. Now, he definitely has been slightly touchdown dependent, but, you know, 17 carries for 97 yards is not going to be a huge stat line that, you know, makes you very happy. But I definitely think that if you're keeping realistic expectations for him, he should really only be a flex play. If you're using him as your RB2 because you have injuries, because you have bye weeks, I'm not saying that that's a bad play. He's a good play when when you have that situation. But you really should only be looking for like a flex kind of production. So to me, nine points in my flex, I get it's not outstanding. It's not going to make you super happy, but it's reliable. I think he's going to continue to give you that amount of output at at the very least. And then when he gets in the end zone, he'll have better games. So Adrian Peterson, a a guy that I'm a fan of going forward. 
and the only guy on the offense I'm really a fan of going forward. And now on to our next game. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Cincinnati Bengals 28-21. to And James Conner, he continues to just be amazing. If you have him on your fantasy team, he's probably carried you to this point. He had 19 carries for 111 yards, two touchdowns this past week. And if you still have him, I know there's the rumors about Le'Veon Bell coming back. I don't want to speculate too much on this situation with so much uncertainty. But it is worth waiting to see what happens with Le'Veon Bell. We just don't know what's going to happen. And I honestly would not be surprised if Le'Veon Bell decides to wait until after the trade line is passed before he reports to the Pittsburgh Steelers, just for the sake that he's not on a contract right now. And if the Steelers do decide to trade him, that just makes the situation even more messy for him going forward. So I would not be surprised if Bell holds out for a little bit longer. And if you do want to trade James Conner, just don't give him away for nothing. Bell hasn't came back yet. We don't know what the situation is going forward, and James Conner has been great. So that's all you can go off of. Don't give him away for nothing, but if the trade value is there, then that's something that I would be interested in. In the passing game, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's just ridiculous, and I still will stand by my pre-draft thought process that I couldn't see uh, wide receiver two put up fringe wide receiver one numbers for fantasy, and that Juju was clearly in line for regression but apparently Schuster is just a special player, and I definitely missed out on this one. Seven receptions on 10 targets for 111 yards this past week. And this may sound crazy just based off of the name value alone, but Juju Smith-Schuster has played, in my opinion, just as well as Antonio Brown this season. So clearly you have no concerns with him going forward. On the other side of the ball in this game, the Cincinnati Bengals, they really do actually continue to impress me. 26 completions on 42 attempts is not great for Andy Dolan, but 229 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. In the run game, Joe Mixon is the back to own. 11 carries, 64 yards. Mark Walton only got two carries. And Joe Mixon's touchdown really did save that day for him. But he's also involved in the passing game, four receptions for 20 yards total of 15 touches in this game and they did say he was coming off an injury so they probably did want to ease him back but but going forward as he continues to get more and more healthy should be trending in the upward direction in the passing game obviously AJ Green continues to dominate but Tyler Boyd has really stepped up as the number two wide receiver another solid game for him seven receptions 62 yards and two touchdowns so he so he has been producing at a uh, wide receiver two rate and he should be played as such and the guy that you definitely want to keep an eye on for the waiver wire this week at the tight end position that's very thin is cj uzoma with six receptions and 54 yards so he's trending in the right direction and with injuries to tyler eifert and tyler croft it won't be very difficult for him to get on the field and garner targets and opportunity. So, yeah, CJ definitely somebody to go and grab on the waiver wire this week. For the next game of the week, you have the Chargers defeating the Cleveland Browns 38-14. to And the Chargers offense continues to thrive as Melvin Gordon does. Melvin Gordon, 18 carries, 132 yards, and three touchdowns. This entire day was all about him. Phillip Rivers, 11 completions on 20 attempts for 207 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Honestly, the majority of that coming on two big touchdowns to Tyrell Williams with three receptions, 118 yards, and two touchdowns. But Keenan Allen, obviously down weak, four receptions, 62 yards, but still the number one wide receiver in this offense and will continue to dominate the targets. 
the Chargers got ahead early and really dominated in this game. So game flow really did favor Melvin Gordon. But Austin Eckler didn't have a great day today. But he's proven that he's worth a flex start on most teams due to his high involvement in the passing game and his very efficient with his low t- touches. He had seven carries for 60 yards, 8.6 yard per carry average against Cleveland this past week. So, yeah, he just continues to be very effective, very efficient. And on the Brown side of the ball, another disappointing day for Carlos Hyde. He averaged just 2.4 yards per carry. He did get game scripted out a little bit, but Nick Chubb continued to show his explosiveness yet again, and he should be added in all leagues, as we've been saying. As far as the passing game goes, Jarvis Landry caught two of nine targets for just 11 yards, and I'm not panicking over Hyde or Jarvis Landry just yet, but if they don't get it done this coming week against Tampa, then... I will be nearing my hand towards that panic button that's definitely concerning since Baker Mayfield has took that job over. And as for the other passing options, Antonio Callaway caught just two of 10 targets for nine yards. We know the talent is there for Callaway. We know he has that game-breaking potential, but he just has not proved that he can be a reliable pass-catching option. And Damian Ratley, he was the real standout in this game. He caught six of eight targets for 82 yards, and with Higgins sidelined, I think Damian Radley is worthy of uh, flex consideration in deeper leagues. And really just David Njoku is the only guy that I'm super confident in going forward. He had 12 targets this past week. He caught seven of those for 55 yards and a touchdown. I've been saying that David Njoku with Baker Mayfield is in line for a huge increase in production. We've seen it so far, and you can expect that to continue in the coming weeks as they play the Buccaneers, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Falcons. All great matchups, so I love Njoku and also Jarvis Landry going forward for the Browns. And the one thing I will say about Antonio Callaway, guys, is I know that the production hasn't been there, but the talent is there, and so is the opportunity. The 10, 10 targets um, is not an anomaly. He's been he's been garnering a lot of targets week in and week out, and it hasn't really been resulting in production. But keep in mind, he is a rookie, as is the quarterback. There is going to be up and down weeks for this team. Well, 10 targets is definitely Well, 10 targets is definitely nice, but if he doesn't start catching some of those targets, no, it's going to No, absolutely. And and dude, I'm not saying that you're rolling them out right away. I'm just saying it's it's intriguing to keep your eye on because he's had ten, double digit targets in multiple games. And Rashard Higgins is out for the time being. So, definitely someone to keep your eyes on there. Now, let's roll right into our next game. We have the Chicago Bears falling to the Miami Dolphins 28 to 31, and Mitchell Trubisky, he Continued to look pretty good this week. He completed 22 of 31 passes, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. I have a question for you. Do you think he's moving into the streamer conversation going forward, or do you think his six-touchdown game and then this three-touchdown game are more just anomalies than anything else? No, I do think he's trending in the right direction because he has a good offensive-minded head coach that's going to scheme up good game plans and solid plays, giving them good opportunities, putting players in good situations, and he's got a ton of weapons between Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton, and the very underutilized Jordan Howard. Yeah, and Jordan Howard, he's been pretty disappointing so far this season. This past week, he had 14 carries for just 69 yards and a brutal fumble on the goal line, which definitely didn't help his case. Meanwhile, Tariq Cohen, 5 for 31 on the ground. He added another 7 catches for 90 yards and a touchdown through the air. 
And Tariq Cohen, he's currently on pace for 1,373 yards from scrimmage on 169 touches. He's been super utilized this season, and he's an every week flex play for me at this point. And it's not that I don't believe in the talent of Jordan Howard. It just doesn't seem that he really fits what Matt Nagy wants to do with this offense right now. But other than that, as you alluded to with the pass catching options, Taylor Gabriel, he's now had back-to-back games with over 100 yards and he's caught all 12 of his last 12 targets between week four and week six. Of course, they were on by in week five and he's had at least four receptions in every game this season. So he's locked in as a flex play for me right now at this point. And Allen Robinson, if you watch his game film, he's honestly been playing great in my opinion. He caught five of six targets for 64 yards and a touchdown this week. I think that the opportunity is there, and you're going to continue to fire him up going forward. And on the other side of the ball, surprisingly enough, Brock Osweiler puts together a very good game by his standards. 28 completions on 44 attempts, 380 yards, 3 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions. Um, the, the surprise coming in the run game, Frank Gore being very dominant. 15 carries, 101 yards, 6.7 yards per carry average. Kenyon Drake, 13 carries, 57 yards, 4.4 yards per carry average. But Kenyon Drake fumbling on the goal line, really hurting the Dolphins in this one. And the and the breakdown for the wide receivers continues to be what we told you guys a few weeks ago. And that's just up and down each and every week. It could be somebody else. Kenny Stills has a two-touchdown, has one game over 100 yards with two touchdowns in it already this season. Albert Wilson adds one this week with six receptions, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, just you never really know who's going to be the consistent in-and-out producer in this wide receiver court. I will hop in here real quick on Albert Wilson. He has had now four touchdowns in the last five games and 15 catches over the last three weeks. So while this wide receiver court is pretty inconsistent, I do think that Albert Wilson is at least worth rostering Kenny Stills has been slowing down in recent weeks and the numbers just have been there for Albert Wilson so while I'm not confident in trusting him in my lineup just yet I still feel like you're kind of just flipping the coin when you start one of these wide receivers Albert Wilson looks like the most trustworthy guy at this moment and now for our next game of the week we have the Arizona Cardinals falling to the Minnesota Vikings 17 to 27 and from the Cardinals side of the ball David Johnson he scored again But other than that, he had just 18 carries for 55 yards. He added two receptions on five targets for 15 yards. I said to avoid him on our Instagram page this past week. Obviously, the touchdown saved his day. But I still really don't trust him too much going forward. And as for the wide receivers, at this point in the season, I may trust Christian Kirk more than Larry Fitzgerald. Kirk has now had 75 or more receiving yards in three of the last four games, and he's caught 80% of his targets this season. He clearly has a connection with quarterback Josh Rosen, at least more than Larry Fitzgerald does, and the panic button is officially on for Larry Fitzgerald. I don't think that you need to be rostering him. I said on a few episodes ago that I had already dropped Fitz in one of my leagues, And going into this week, Fitzgerald is going to see most likely Chris Harris Jr. against the Broncos. Not an ideal matchup by any means. Meanwhile, Christian Kirk, he may be in line to be able to take advantage of the otherwise weak Broncos secondary. On the other side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings, a good good game for them overall. 24 completions with 34 attempts for Kirk Cousins for 233 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Latavius Murray stepping in with no Delvin Cook this week really did have his best week to date. 24 carries, 155 yards, one touchdown with 6.5 yards per carry average. That's the type of production we've been looking for from this run game. It's surprising that it hasn't come from Dalvin Cook 
could get this season. It's surprising that it's taken Latavius Murray this long with multiple opportunities without Dalvin Cook in the lineup to give you this kind of production. But here it is. This is what we've been looking for. Let's hope that whether it's Dalvin Cook or Latavius Murray, that this kind of production can continue. Well, I will say the Arizona Cardinals, they have allowed the most fantasy points to running backs this season. So if there ever was a week for this to happen, it was this week in a plus matchup. And like you said, I'm pretty concerned about Dalvin Cook's injury going forward. It seems to be lingering, and I think it could lead to a timeshare if he isn't able to fully heal. I do think Dalvin Cook is overall the better running back, but with the way things have been going, I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to run a split backfield if he continues to deal with these injuries. No doubt about it. And realistically, what you have to be more concerned about is something like a Devonta Freeman situation where it becomes such a nagging, continuous issue. It's almost worth it to get out and get surgery. Let's not forget Dalvin Cook after the ACL tear. He is still a young back who wants to have a solid career in the NFL. Latavius Murray is a little bit closer towards the end of his career. You know, you can lean on him. But as I was talking about production before, the continued production by Adam Thielen continues to impress. 11 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. Ryan Clark, former defensive back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, said it best. He needs to start garnering the respect that a top-tier number one wide receiver deserves. Going into the season, I was very high on Stephon Diggs. I thought Stephon Diggs was the more talented wide receiver, and I was dead wrong. Adam Thielen is one of the very best wide receivers in the NFL today. I have no shame in saying that. I am putting him right up there with Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. He might not have that, you know, sexy type of skill set that he brings to the table, but he can run every route in the book. He can go deep. He can run short routes, intermediate routes. He goes over the middle. He run down the sideline he just continues to get open he just continues with run after the catch he literally brings everything to the table and he is a top tier wide receiver in the nfl and needs to start being respected as such could not agree more there and moving on to our next game of the week we have a shocker the dallas cowboys beating the jacksonville jaguars 40 to 7 and from a fantasy perspective in my opinion all you really want from either of these teams are to start their running backs and even TJ Yeldon this past week, he was disappointing. 8 for 41 on the ground, 3 of 5 for 29 yards through the air. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're really just not meant to play from behind with quarterback Blake Bortles. The team is meant for the defense to create positive game scripts for them to control the game through the rushing attack, and that just wasn't there this week. And even the Jaguars' defense, this is a defense that was drafted by a lot of people in the single-digit rounds in fantasy drafts this past year. They were the seventh defense in fantasy going into this week. This is exactly why you don't draft defenses so high. The Jets were the number two defense going into this week, a defense that was widely undrafted in the vast majority of leagues going into this year. And on the other side of the ball, I have a much brighter outlook for the Dallas Cowboys and it is not just reading into one game, one game too heavily. I really do think, and I've been advocating for this, I think what the Cowboys have had going on has been correctable. You know, with the devastating loss of Travis Frederick, not only a top-tier center in the NFL, but a guy who really calls all their formations, all their shifts, all their blitz pickups for them at the line of scrimmage, a real smart player. Missing that is invaluable and you're not going to replace that but they still have a strong offensive line and the backup center just needed a just needed some time to get on the same page 
and really improve his game. And I think we're starting to see that come to fruition. This is the type of team you're looking for. Ezekiel Elliott, 24 carries, 106 yards, 4.4 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Dak Prescott passing, 17 completions, 183 yards, two touchdowns. Just very efficient, no interceptions. That's what you're looking for. And Dak Prescott running the ball, 11 carries, 82 yards, 7.5 yards per carry, and a touchdown. So this is the type of team that you're looking for. And it even correlated then to the passing game with Cole Beasley, nine receptions, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, I'm not going, I'm not out here saying that Cole Beasley is a waiver wire ad and you need to throw him into your lineup. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this offense is a good offense. If they can establish what they want to do to teams. They want to run a heavy, they want to have a heavy dose of the run game to win games. That includes Ezekiel Elliott, that includes Dak Prescott, and that those and when they get that going, then the passing game will open up for them. The problem is if they're forced to throw early in a game, they're not that team. They do not have the dynamic wide receivers to get all open. Their offensive line is more built to run block than it is to pass block. They're not that type of team. But when you get the run game going for them, with their strong defense and a play action that works, you can. this team can really dominate. And at 3-3, three and three, I think this team has to be really taken seriously going forward. This was a solid win for them. I know Jacksonville has been struggling as of late, but they're still a very good defense. And the Dallas Cowboys manhandled them this week, no doubt, at home. But still, a very impressive win for the Dallas Cowboys this week. And that brings us right up into our Sunday night game. Probably the game of the week, if you were able to catch it. It was a phenomenal game. And I'm going to start off by talking about the Chiefs. And I'll get into their stat lines and their fantasy production. But I just want to say, I have to really give Patrick Mahomes a lot of credit here. Now, I know there's been a lot of talk about him all season long and this and that. But I honestly think that this is an occasion where you learned more about Patrick Mahomes and the player that he is in this loss, traveling to Foxborough in prime time against Tom Brady. You learned more in this loss than any of the first in the first five weeks in any of those wins. And here's why. Because that ability to be down, battle back, give your team opportunity after opportunity to stay in the game, to win the game. And then in the fashion you lose the game is just because Tom Brady had the ball last, which we have seen numerous times. If Tom Brady has the ball last, more than likely he's going to win the game. That's nothing against Patrick Mahomes. What he showed me was high caliber football play in Foxborough in a tough place to play against one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So I was just really impressed by that game. And then the stat line speaks for itself. 352 yards, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions in this game. For Kareem Hunt, 10 carries, 80 yards, 8.8 yards per carry average has been very good. And Kareem Hunt also very involved in the passing game, five receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. So Kareem Hunt continues to be a top-tier running back in the NFL. But Tariq Hill really had the, the big game Sunday night, seven receptions, 142 yards, 20-yard average, and three touchdowns. This guy is playing lights out. And this is the really, this is what he offers you. He offers you pretty much this opportunity every week because he can always hit the deep ball. He can always go off. He gets a ton of opportunity. They always want to keep him involved. So 
Not that I'm telling you anything that you don't already know, but Tyreek Hill, a top option in fantasy, a top option in the NFL, and a decent output for Travis Kelsey, five receptions for 61 yards. A little bit lower than you would like, but in the tight end position, that's what you get. It's very volatile. Besides that, the Chiefs continue as a team to be excellent on offense, struggling on defense, but really this is just a top-tier team that you've got to be impressed with so far this season. And on the Patriots side of the ball, Sony Michelle, he's now had 90 or more rushing yards in three straight games, including two 100 or more rushing yard games. He's had four touchdowns over the last three weeks and currently has a 4.7 yards per carry average. The Patriots offense has now scored 30 or more points in three straight games, and they really seem to be getting better every single week. So with the volume that he's been seeing, with the touchdown potential, that makes him a running back one going forward, in my opinion, even if he isn't involved in the passing game. And Julian Edelman, he caught four of seven targets for 54 yards and one touchdown. I said it last week that I think he's right in that wide receiver two range for me. I have a ton of trust in Julian Edelman going forward. And Josh Gordon, this is really the guy that I'm raising the stock on going forward. And the stat line may not show it, but his performance was very encouraging. He led the team in targets with nine targets. He led the team in receptions with five receptions. And he's been getting targeted in the middle of the field on third downs, deep shots to the end zone, you name it. He's been involved in this passing game. He's played 81% of the team's offensive snaps. And only Julian Edelman played more at the wide receiver position this past week. And this usage overall, it just has me trusting him going forward. And it does have me slightly concerned for Rob Gronkowski's usage. He's only had one red zone target on the season. And he hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Now, I know he's still Rob Gronkowski. We know what he's capable of. But I wouldn't be opposed to trading him for a solid running back two or a wide receiver two if you could get that type of value for him. It just doesn't seem like Tom Brady needs to rely on him like he has in years past. And our final game of the week, Monday night, 49ers losing a very close matchup against the Packers, 33-30. to And I was very impressed with the 49ers. Now, I know they have an excellent offensive-minded head coach in Kyle Shanahan, who is going to give them plenty of opportunities to score, give them plenty of opportunities to stay competitive. But I was really impressed. You know, Lambeau, freezing cold. This is like when, you know, Lambeau becomes a huge advantage for the Green Bay Packers, and the 49ers came in there and played a very good game. I was impressed with Beathard, 16 of 23. Not a lot of opportunity, but pretty efficient. 245 yards, two touchdowns. He did have one interception. But the run game was very good. 14 carries for Bryda, 61 yards and a touchdown. And the surprise is Mostert. Is that how you say his name? Sure. Yeah, I'm not really exactly sure how to pronounce it. I really don't know who this guy is. I'm excited to go and look at him because when I was watching the game, he was impressive. 12 carries, 87 yards, 7.2 yards per carry. And, I mean, Bryda hasn't been bad in his opportunity. I actually thought he's been good. And I think I thought he was, like, pretty much solidifying himself as that start a running back there but if you watch this guy run the ball he was very explosive he was able to find holes he was impressive hitting the holes getting through gaps and 7.2 yards per carry average says it all he was he, he was impressive and in the passing game Kittle continues to garner a lot of targets it was a little bit of a down week four receptions 30 yards but he's heavily involved but this was the Goodwin Goodwin week where he had four receptions 126 yards for two touchdowns it was really that breakaway speed but not something that I would bank on week in, week out, unless Beathard really does continue to produce at a decent rate, which 
I'm not going to say he can't. He was pretty impressive. He seemed to be making solid decisions. Just don't know if I'm ready to say that that's going to happen week in and week out. Definitely not something that I'm willing to put my trust into at this point. But moving over to the Green Bay Packers side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, of course, he is just ridiculous. But in the run game, Aaron Jones, he led the team with eight carries. And really, Green Bay, they were just forced to air the ball out a lot. They fell behind early. But Aaron Jones, he did look solid, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. I'm still standing by the call that he is the running back that you want to own for the Packers, and he will take over that job as the season progresses. But in the passing game, Devontae Adams, 10 of 16 for 132 yards and two touchdowns. This guy, he's in that top five wide receiver consideration. If you were drafting today, I'm not sure how many guys you would be taking over him. So you're extremely happy with that pick at this point. And Jimmy Graham, he's impressed me a lot. He caught five of nine targets for 104 yards. He has not been touchdown dependent at all, but he is being utilized in the passing game as safe as it gets at the tight end position for the time being. And the other pass catchers, you have you have Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS. He caught three of six targets for 103 yards. And in my opinion, he's an every week starter as long as Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison are out of the lineup. And while they are out of the lineup, even Equinemius St. Brown, I think he falls into that streamer conversation. I know we haven't seen it on a consistent basis by any means. But anyone that is going to be seeing consistent opportunity from Aaron Rodgers is someone that I think you could trust for at least a flyer in your lineup. But for the time being, that is all that we have for you guys. Episode 18 of the Football MD Podcast. We hope that you guys enjoyed and we thank you guys for joining us once again. As always, make sure that you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Football MD Pod. Make sure you're checking us out at footballmdpodcast.com. We have tons of content going up over there relating to fantasy football, college football, betting odds, everything that you guys need to get you through the 2018 NFL season. And of course, our special edition breast cancer awareness t-shirts are currently available. We do have very limited quantities, so make sure that you guys are checking them out. They are $20. They came out great. Shout out to John L. from All I Know is Goon for making these shirts for us. Go check out his clothing brand as well. He does a great job over there. So if you want to support the podcast and support a great cause while you're doing it, make sure you're hitting us up on, like I said, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook through the Contact Us section of our website to place your order. And be on the lookout for our next episode dropping later this week for everything that you'll need to know to dominate your matchups in week seven. Again, thank you guys for tuning in and until next time. Thanks again, guys.